You're listening to The Vap, episode 22, The Ambassador. With two tons of aluminum hitched to his bumper, cruising down the internet superhighway, The Vap is streaming right to your ears. Vintage Airstream Podcast. And now your host for the Vintage Airstream Podcast, Tim Shepard. Living in aluminum. Here we are for episode 22. I want to welcome Rob and Colin. Welcome, guys. G'day. How's it going? Hello, fellow vintage owners. Let's see, we got a couple of questions from some callers who call into the VAP voicemail line, and but we're going to go and start off with Colin's restoration update. We want to check in on that Caravel and see how things are going. <laughs> It's time for the Restoration Update with Colin Hyde. Take it away, Colin. Well, I guess the last time we chatted about it, uh, I guess we just finished doing the zoetoning and uh, fitting the floor in, etc. An awful lot has happened since then. It's basically complete at this point and functioning and uh, wheeling its way to the International in Salem, Oregon. It's really looking great. It's got all new, or virtually all new, uh, mahogany woodwork interior. Uh, we did manage to retain the really cool uh, accordion uh, mahogany door going into the uh, the bathroom area, which I've been fascinated by. I suspect that '65 was the only year, one of the one of the only years of that wood bifolding door. Anyway, that was a really neat detail that we wanted to retain. The bathroom is nice and big. Uh, most people that uh, own caravels would be uh, hard-pressed to tell that uh, what we did in there, although they will notice when they go inside that it is much larger than uh, than their own would have been. The new uh, uh, gaucho fits beautifully in, in the front there. It's integrated well with the rest of the trailer. The uh, fridge freezer is mounted in there from the Westphalia. Unfortunately, we still haven't uh, managed to get all the electronic issues worked out with the factory at Airstream and West Valley and Dometic to get this thing running. They still have yet to give us a wiring diagram of this thing, but anyway, we're almost there with that. Uh, the new two-burner Princess stove is in. The uh, uh, sharp uh, microwave convection oven. The other Dometic fridge, under-counter fridge, is there. The tandem gray tanks, the stainless black tank, and uh, we just got the chrome bumper uh, FedExed overnight and installed the other day onto the back, and it looks beautiful. This is probably the only Airstream out there with a chrome bumper, certainly only vintage one anyway. Spare tire rack on the back with a uh, wheel fintique chrome wheels with baby moon hubcaps. Uh... Another cool thing, it's got a telescoping uh, uh, aluminum post mounted on the hitch of the tow vehicle that uh, supports a move-and-view satellite dish, which they can watch TV as they tootle down the road. When they get to the campsite, they can actually raise it up another four feet up above the the trailer itself. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy because... 
right next to it is the original TV antenna. We've also got a, uh, a shelf built between the propane tanks and the front of the trailer uh, made out of uh, aluminum uh, tread plate with a little trunk built in underneath that. And above it is, well, that shelf was designed to support uh, two EU2000 Honda generators. And we, unfortunately, we didn't get the cover finished yet, so that's going to happen next week or so. It's going to be basically a miniature version of the front end cap of an Airstream. And this cover is going to look exactly like the front end of the Airstream, but covering the uh, propane-fired uh, propane uh, generators. And they will uh, have the fuel lines going on to quick disconnect uh, into the original, well, excuse me, updated propane line system running below the trailer. It's a, a, a unique trailer. We wanted it to, or the client wanted it to look, um, uh, you know, quite period, um, but, uh, but have all the updated wonderful features, etc. So it's, uh, it's been a really neat project, and we're uh, very proud of it at this point, and hopefully people will be interested in seeing it, and the, uh, the owners are very interested in showing it off anyway. So very, very nice people. Well, it sounds great, because if the show comes out, people will, might have already seen it at the International That's in uh, Salem, Oregon. So if you did, if you're one of those people who got to check it out, call up the VAP voicemail line and uh, let us know what you think. We'll air your comments hey, on Colin, the show. Did, they went with some bark cloth uh, curtains, correct? Yes, they did. In fact, it's the same bark cloth that you've put in your 58. How, how did they turn out and look? Good. They look great, and the uh, they're sort of a the base is kind of a tan color with all those geometric designs on it, and they've got the the Zolotone paint and the marmolean floor and and kind of a, a very subtle looking uh, laminate on the counter and you know new taps and stuff. The original sink is in there, which was looks kind of neat, but it's um it kind of came off well. You know, it's all tied together very well. I think Suzanne did a really nice job, and the uh, uh, choices there to make make things look like they should be there. Well, we're still trying to twist Colin's arm into sending us some pictures after he can get past the technological uh, <laughs> <laughs> problems there. Get some pictures on the VAP so you guys can check it out. We need to out. get him a vintage computer, Tim. There you go. I had a vintage computer. You guys are <laughs> getting all over me for having a vintage computer. Now I'm like, you know, I'm six years upgraded in my computer and softwares and everything else, and uh, I'm getting there, you know. I'm, uh, I got the pictures, and I've actually downloaded them into the computer. It's just getting them out the other end. That's I need time. I've been the whole company. We've been uh, rushing to get this uh, this Caravel out so they could uh, get it to Oregon. It was, uh, now, is the in motion satellite system tied into the trailer electronics? No, but it or can is that, be. Is that wireless? Is that wireless feed? Or is it? No, it's a wire. But the the interesting thing is, we put coax cable right up to the front where the normal TV cable would come out, so they can hook the the uh, TV antenna into the coax, or they can hook the moving view into the coax and hook up their flat screen TV inside to the same outlet, and you know they can be getting you know uh, a signal from either a satellite or or the uh the original Local. antenna depending on what they yeah, want. Yeah, cool. Plus, you know, they can operate the satellite while they're tootling down the road, which is another 
cool thing. Now, is the caravel all polished up? Yeah, she's polished, and uh, we've got a really cool um, uh, hot water heater cover. We took an original, no original, uh, a modern uh, hot water heater cover, which is, you know, the, the traditional sort of flat-looking thing with a square grill in it. Not the original look to the 65, but the, the client didn't like the original 65 one because it was kind of bulky. What we did with the uh, the new one is we made a, an Alclad applique to what came with the new hot water heater. So uh, it looks similar to what you would get from uh, Atwood these days, but it's polished. Plus we've got the, uh, of course, the slide-out air conditioner, which worked really, really well. It's um, It doesn't look like it's fudged in there, but literally it's it's on uh, heavy-duty drawer slides, and it just pops out the side of the trailer. It's an 8,000 BTU and with a remote control, so you can stand up there and just point at it like a TV set and change the settings and, and do whatever you like with it. And then at the end of the day, you just or when you take off, you just uh, push it back in like a drawer, and it locks in place. There's a flat panel on the outside with um, trim, etc., and gaskets and gutters, etc., around it. And it. Looks like what it should be. What was also really cool, Tim, is I think last time I was up at the shop a little while ago, but I think Colin, you just finished reskinning that entire door, correct? Yep. And that's that was really cool. I mean, you couldn't even tell. Oh, what was wrong with the door? Beautiful job. Well, the door, the door that was on it, and the classic suicide door scenario had come open at some point in its last 40 years and I believe 65, 64, 65 was the first year of the cast aluminum door where uh, you know like the, f the inner frame and the outer frame was actually cast and the earlier ones were actually made out of formed uh, aluminum anyway the door itself when it flung around and hit the side of the trailer the door casting broke so okay. we uh, we took that original one off, and of course the door handle was buggered up, and the skin was buggered up behind it. Took the original one off, and we sourced a uh, a used uh, cast door from the '68 that included a um, a, uh, a screen door. So we integrated the '68 uh, screen door into the '65, which this particular Caravel didn't have it. But I think uh, Rob, you were saying your Caravel actually did have a screen door. Yeah, my caravel's got the screen door built in. Yeah, so I suspect that was but probably an option. Our, and our doors, our doors are the same too, because uh, you know his door and my door both have that jealousy window in the doorway. Yeah, which is really a cool design. We actually locked the jealousy window shut. We've. I'd like to find out uh, exactly the details you've got in yours. The original crank out sort of bat wing style. Uh, window opener for the jealousy uh, would stick into the uh, screen on the screen door, so we had to remove that. But hmm. um, I know, Rob, you've got sort of a little ball chain type device to open that window. Yep, it's a pull chain. Yep. So, so that that flat fits flat against the flat up against the trailer door. But you might yeah. see it this weekend if I can't get my floor to my trade wind in. We'll bring the caravel. <laughs> Okay, we got a couple questions that people call in the voicemail <laughs> line. We'll go start with the first one. They're asking about motorhomes from Airstream. My name is Kelly from Grand Junction, Colorado, and we've been informed that Airstream is no longer making 
um, motorhomes, let alone the um, sky deck, which we were really interested in. Um, could you please confirm this? Because the website leads to no um, clue that this has, you know, been discontinued. It, it appears to be so, still selling it and advertising it. Thank you. I was at the factory last Monday. And I mm -hmm. took the factory tour, and they brought up the fact that they were actually, they are discontinuing motorhomes. They purchased a, when they were planning on uh, actually adding on a motorhome plant, and they bought a few acres right next to the, the current plant, and they were going to build a building out there and uh, rank up production on that. But it turns out the overall market, they said, for motorhomes uh, across the whole RV industry is, drastically declining i suspect probably due to the gas prices and stuff so yes all that has come to a screeching halt they own the land but they're not going to pursue it and they uh, had the last few remaining motorhomes uh, on the line there while we were there everything airstream builds is already ordered so uh the last few motorhomes that were there are going to be it the rumor that she heard is true you know i heard the sales are pretty slow on the sky deck that was really aimed, I think, at uh, corporate clients, and somehow or other they didn't come through to the degree that was required to uh, justify the existence, I guess. But, now, um, the, there is a little light in the tunnel because the tour guy did say that if somebody actually really wanted a sky deck, they'd probably go ahead and build it. So if, if she truly is interested and she hurries, she probably could still get one. <laughs> well, talking about motorhomes, we got a uh, emergency call in from our bounder buddy, Mark. Bounder buddy. Our bounder buddy, Mark in Simi Valley, California, called in and said on his last trip uh, he was driving home and he felt a big clunk and bump and uh, pulled over. And he, it turns out he his hydraulic pump for his leveling jacks fell off and he drove over it and leaked hydraulic fluid all over the freeway. And ended up on the side of the road trying to uh, tie that up so he could get home. And uh, I think it's an 88-bounder. And he's being told that the pump's no longer available. It's made by A&E. And that's all the information he has. And he was wondering uh, what if you guys had any advice on uh, what he could do to repair that. So well, when I was just out in California last week, Tim, that, that, that traffic jam I was in on I-5, that must have been the hazmat cleanup. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. Yeah, must have been it. Now, does um, this gentleman carry like, you know, that that stuff to sweep up oil? Uh, I doubt it. A kitty litter. Yeah. A kitty litter. Uh -huh. Yeah. He might need like one of those gizmos that like sprinkles it as he drives. I'm wondering if he was able to reclaim or refine the the actual pump that he ran over. So he'd at least have a, something to go by parts-wise. Yeah, I think he does. I think he does. He does? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, was this pump driven by the uh, engine, or is this a separate electric motor or something that was driving this pump? Hmm. I would just guess that it's separate, but I don't don't have the info. No, because there, there's got to be... The, this, is, this is the pump for the hydraulic stabilizers, correct? Yeah, the levelers. There's got to be aftermarket stuff out there that, you know, and, and very possibly, you know, hydraulic pumps can cost quite a bit of money. Uh, it really depends on the rest of his system. It may not be only the pump that's the problem. All of his hydraulic lines may be corroded and the rubber lines may be failing, et cetera, et cetera. 
Well, he was told that the original pump by A&E is not available anymore, and he can't buy a pump from a newer system to tie into the older one because it doesn't work that way. He has to buy all new. So my advice was to find a, uh, uh, you know, a bounder graveyard and see if he can't get one secondhand somewhere. I know on eBay yeah. there's several, seems to be several, a couple guys on there rebuilding these bounders and and uh, getting them operational and selling them. And I'm sure they might have a few skeletons there. He's he's bound to find one. Oh yeah, just got to hit the grindstone. Barring that, my advice. Go ahead, Colin. Barring that, he can use blocks of wood. <laughs> yeah, you go. That's what I use, and it works great. Yep. My, my advice is to take that pump and go on the northern site like northerntool.com, and they're they're big into hydraulics and hydraulic mm-hmm. pumps. Mainly aimed at over hydraulic pumps for wood splitters and stuff, but. I'd go there and see what they have for pumps, and it's, they've got a really good website online, and and uh, you know I actually just give them a call and see what they could do. Yeah, that and could be a good that, lead. You know, don't have to go back to A and E, but you just you just gotta have something that'll hook up to the hydraulic lines he he carries on board. I agree with Colin. If you know the thing's quite old, I'd go through and replace those hydraulic lines too. Yeah, yeah. If he puts a new pump on there, if the old pump wasn't pumping strong you know it puts a new one on there he could be blowing hydraulic lines all righty we got another call in question uh james from kansas he has a question about uh putting an air conditioner in a closet hey guys this is james in overland park kansas it's got a 1967 24 foot airstream trade wind that uh we put refurbished a couple of years ago and have been camping in it for a couple of years and I tell you I just love your show I recently found out about it and I wished I'd had yeah, this was available when I was doing all the work on it um, and you said recently discovered your show and downloaded all of the uh, all 18 uh, episodes onto my iPod and had to make a trip uh, unfortunately not via the Airstream but stuck in a car and Listen to them. Listen to just about everyone. But I was most intrigued about your uh, installation of an air conditioning unit uh, into the closet, a home air conditioning unit. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, or maybe put some uh, some uh, images up on the on the site of that installation. Um, you know, what type of vent ducting is is my main thing. I'm trying to put this in the closet, how much room and how, how you're venting that out the bottom. And uh, another question would be is on uh, serial numbers. My serial number plate that would be on the, to the right of the door there has never been there. And Is there another place on the Airstream where you can, I've heard that it's on the A-frame, but I can't find anything up there. Uh, what do you guys know about VIN numbers and where they are? If I ever sell it, I think that would be helpful to know. I have the original title and safe that I got everything's right, but transferring it to another state could be an issue. Thanks again. Love the show. Talk to you later. Okay, guys, let's let's hit the VIN one real, real quick. Uh, where are the common locations for a VIN number? Well, he's right next to the door on a plate. And if the plate's not there, he can buy a replacement plate to amp his number in. You know, we've actually had to do that uh, on this on the Caravel project. His plate was, I mean, you know, was faded and buggered up and whatnot. So we uh, we bought one, you know, stamped the right number back into it again and riveted it back on the trailer, and it looks brand new. 
Okay, that's, that's an easy probably, fix. Uh, also, uh, on on my trailer, I've got one, my '85, I think it was, but the VIN number was stamped into the front, up on the tongue area, also up in the A-frame, like you discussed. Yeah. On some of the old trailers, I think, on Colin, on the, some of the old trailers, some of the uh, cabinets inside had the VIN numbers written on them. What they said. Yeah, that's, that's funny way back in the day, though. That's that's in the '50s. Just the last four digits were stamped in ink on the underside or the backs of all the drawers. And I think that was a production scenario uh, to keep all the cabinetry together for one specific trailer. My 57 Sovereign of the Road is like that, although my 59 is not like that. So I don't know, excuse me, they changed uh, cabinet makers or shops or something, but uh, that was an approach. I have seen some numbers on tongues before, but quite frankly, I've never seen ones that matched anything to do with uh, the, the VIN number that's on the plate on the side, so possibly in the but newer if he's got the if, if he's got the title, he could take the VIN number off that and get the, like you said, get the plate, go forward. Yeah, my 71 had the plate on the uh, front of the trailer, not on the tongue, but just on the on the front, near the tongue where it where it went back to the body of the trailer. There was a plate there with the uh, the VIN number. My 85 was on the very front of the trailer on the roadside, up up at the very bottom, right where the end cap uh, joins the straight body of the trailer. It was down low by the belt line, and but it was on the you know, driver's side of the vehicle on the, the roadside of the trailer. Yeah, these plates aren't really high-tech. You know, it's uh, you know, literally it's four solid rivets or... In your case, you'd probably put it back on again with Olympic rivets and, and shave them. Mm-hmm. But um, you can make it look as original, and that'll be fine. All righty. Air conditioner in the closet. I think he got that from when you mentioned that's how you put one in your 59 Ambassador on an earlier show. So let's get into that in a little bit of detail for James. Okay. Well, in the 59, I didn't actually put it in. Believe it or not, the factory put it in in 1959 at the request of the original owner. Uh, we're the third owner of it. The second owner purchased uh, the trailer from the uh, granddaughter of the original owner. The granddaughter basically inherited it uh, when her grandfather passed away. He had owned it for 40 years and passed that information on. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not hearsay, but it's fairly first-hand, I guess. I do know that at the time... Uh, in 59, they weren't offering rooftop air conditioners. I know they did have swamp coolers that were available, but really they weren't much use in uh, humid climates. But this one, in my 59, it's literally in a closet up high, and it's, it has a uh, sort of like a, an aluminum cabinet that sticks out the side of the trailer in the curvature up high, and there's a hatch that flips open, and the air conditioner slides out of the the, the closet, or actually it's a pantry in our case, and uh, the condensate drips outside and the fan motor and all the heat exchanger and everything's outside and the the uh, unit actually blows cool air into the, into the pantry. So we leave the pantry door open and it uh, just cools the trailer that way. We've done a, a similar sort of thing on the, uh, the, the restoration that we've been following here in the Caravelle. Uh, although we uh, put it on the floor, instead of sort of ruining the curvature of the lines of the trailer, 
although mine actually is quite unique. Everybody has a look at it at rallies, and it doesn't look bad. Initially, when I saw it, I, I was kind of taken aback, but I've kind of kind of grown to be fascinated by it because it's so unique and it works so well. What we did on the uh, floor of the Caravel, we used some heavy-duty uh, drawer slides that you can get at, uh, we bought them at Lowe's, actually. I think they're capable of about 100 pounds, something like that. And we built a steel tray to sit the air conditioner in, drilled a couple of holes in, in the bottom of it, right at the outer edge, and uh, cut a hole in the side of the trailer, the size of the air conditioner, and the, uh, the air conditioner would literally slide out the side of the trailer and stick out probably, I don't know, 8, 10 inches, I suppose. And uh, we have a, a flat aluminum uh, L-clad piece stepped off the end uh, fins or grill uh, that would normally hang out the window at your house and uh, when the air is, uh, the cooling air is uh, blowing through it dissipates uh, fore and aft so that works really well and when there's, so there's no louvers in the uh, exterior panel it's, it's literally just stepped off the, the grill and when you go to close it up, it slides straight into the into the trailer. We've got some deadbolts that drop down into holes and uh, framework in the floor uh, to keep it in when you're driving. And there's seals around the perimeter of this uh, panel on the outside. And we use some a bead roller uh, to give it some uh, structural integrity. And we used um, wheel well uh, aluminum molding around the edge as well to give it a uh, a more uh, professional look and so it looks very much like the other aluminum details on the trailer. So we also fabricated a little gutter just above it so any water running down the trailer doesn't sort of try and enter in that little area there. It will uh, tend to go off the ends and uh, and drip down the trailer. So there's no actual ductwork on that? Just blowing out the in front of the, uh, the air conditioner? It's It's... It's blowing out front and back, but if if you envision a, a house air conditioner and then step a, a plate right off the end of it that you normally see sticking out the window, uh, we, and we had sort of a bracket on the top and on the bottom uh, to step it off. The reason why we stepped it off is because the air conditioner had to run parallel with the closet, but the trailer was starting to just curve at the back. This is in one of the bathroom closets right, right on the uh, on the street side. And it was starting to curve around a little bit. So that panel had to take the curvature of the exterior of the trailer, but the air conditioner, of course, had to run within the size of the, uh, the closet itself. Now, these modern air conditioners, or house air conditioners, they're, they're quite inexpensive. Uh, this particular one came with a remote control and uh, we've got a uh, the closet door and in this particular case because we're doing a lot of custom work in it closet door stops about you know a foot and a half from the floor and we've got a pull out panel that you could still have the closet door closed and have the air conditioner going and it would be blowing air out just below the closet door and circulating throughout the trailer okay. we've had it running in the shop while we've been working on it and uh, Everybody's been really impressed with this thing. Well, we'll try and get some pictures of it on the website for James. Yes. Um, took a bunch in and out. Also, uh, if he wants to refer back to episode 17, where we had uh, the Weekend Warriors, Uwe, he also put a, uh, a home air conditioner in his 
uh, Airstream. And he sent me some pictures of that. And I'll check with him, but I'm sure that we'll be able to post those pictures on the website. And he he added um, ductwork to his and has some uh, pretty good ideas on how to do that. Now, I, I believe Uwe, he mounted it up front, didn't he? Um, I think he mounted it. He mounted it on the floor. Right. I think on the street side toward the uh, rear third. Oh, okay. I can't be certain. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll check with the, him. The beautiful thing. Go ahead. The beautiful things about these home, home air conditioners. If it dies, you just go buy another one. It's not that expensive. But also the you know being in the closet or down low, it's not. Uh, <clears throat> you don't have to worry about reinforcing the roof on these vintage trailers that they didn't have a the structural integrity up there. Pre '65, they they were they weren't pre wired for them up there. So you got a little more to deal with, and also they're not. Especially on these small little caravel types or globe trotters, it doesn't look like you have another trailer mounted on top of your your airstream. Yeah, or a spaceship landing on it or something. <laughs> yeah, right. so it doesn't ruin it doesn't ruin the lines. Of the, you know that airstream, especially that smaller, bigger. It kind of it kind of blends in a little more, but still, uh, um, the best part we're doing that in the sovereign of the road is if it if it goes kaput, you know, it's uh it's another ninety dollars down at Lowe's rather than. One of those big uh, Coleman roof mounts uh, going kaput a little bit more, uh, and it's easy to replace and insert and out. I think Collins, his fetters, he's got a fetters in that '59 of his. That's the original one, isn't it, Colin? Exactly. Now I suspect it was only 5,000 BTUs or something, which really isn't very much. Um, I don't think you know we've had it in Cape Hatteras when it was 100 degrees out, and it was you know in the mid 70s I guess inside which was fine but you know 1959 air conditioners were somewhat noisier less efficient and uh, it was just on there was no temperature control or anything sort of on or off but no remote control no but it, but it did work <laughs> you know and we and we've never had a problem with it you just plug it in and away it goes yeah but this this new thing uh, the 8000 BTU I think it's like 160 bucks at Lowe's you know you can get bigger ones too but the key is figuring out you know the the closet space, because we were doing a major modification in the in this trailer anyway. The closet that we put it in actually got bigger, substantially bigger. The one on the opposite side got smaller, but that particular one got a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah, and that the, the '67 trade window owner that called in about the question, and I just got rid of that '67 trade window back in the springtime. Instead of the closet, because the, the closets on those are kind of narrow, unless you're going to be doing some redesigning underneath. If you got a twin bed under either side of the twin beds area, uh, you get quite a bit of room there to work with, and it'd still be low on the ceiling, on the floor, and you know you duct it in underneath the the bed and into the hallway area. That would, work for, that would work pretty well, too. I want to thank James for calling that in, plus our Skydeck call. Yeah. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. One last thing, Tim, is that from, from experience on these air conditioners, whatever you do, if you are going to pop out your screen and put it in the front or rear window, don't cut the frame. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, you know, my trailer had a front-mounted AC up front in the window with some steel welded on for reinforcement, but whoever put that in there, they cut the... 1958 window frame to make a AC fit in there. You know, you know, they didn't know what they were doing or how expensive that is to repair for another trailer owner down the road. We oh, went through yeah. great trouble trying to recreate it back to what it should have been. Yeah, nothing looks worse done, to me than a, 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 oh, I know. A, 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 an air conditioner just hanging out the window like that. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's worse than even the roof mount ones, I think. Yep, yep. To each their own, though. Alrighty, well, in the last show, we talked about my new trailer, my ambassador, and since then, I actually picked it up. So, Woo-hoo. yeah, I thought maybe you are, guys won't. Are you ask. all caught up on your on your rest yet, Tim? <laughs> oh no, not really. <laughs> it's nothing but uh, <laughs> ten, twelve hour days of driving to Ohio and back. Was it five thousand miles there and back in uh, seven days, with a stop at the factory? And that's I got right. to stay. Tim almost hooked down the Wally's Gold trailer and brought it home. That's right. I got a picture of me hooked up to it, or appearing to hook up to it. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. That's uh, the Airstream security bring... guard nailed him, though. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, so I do have one little unique experience that you guys don't have: is I stayed at the uh, Airstream factory's Terraport campground overnight mm, in my vintage cool. trailer. There you go. Now, did any of your vintage lights work? Oh yeah, the interior lights. Yeah. I got all the running lights and stuff working, but yeah, uh, yeah. When we plugged in, I had uh, all the 120 lights were working. There's no battery in the trailer, so we were able to run, uh, you know, the regular 110 lights since it's a uh, international mm-hmm. model. That's right, and I'll, I'll be the first to put out to all our listeners. Tim is looking for a light, a light cover for a 1960 trade win. Yeah, yeah. They were both the there when mounted, the ce- the ceiling mounted light light cover. Right. The one that uh, has the the drop down um, feature assembly, yeah. That's right. So we have to energize all of our listeners to to help us find one and locate one. There you go. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It was I'm there when I hitched up. You, it was there when I hitched up. My first stop, we opened the trailer, and the the forty six year old light glass part of the fixture fell and shattered. Oh, that was terrible. So it was a thousand pieces on the floor. Yep, thousand pieces. The shape of things to come. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old man. <laughs> it's a 60, correct? Yes, 1960. Oh, I'll post glass, a picture of plastic. it. No, it was glass. <laughs> All the little pieces told me it was. I've got one in the 60 trade wind here. and That 60 ambassador that came through here this weekend, courtesy parking, they had one in there too. Didn't even think to swipe it for you, Tim, while they were here. Yeah. They were out running errands and stuff. You know, I could have went in and swiped it and we could have had it. Oh, man. Well, I'm still looking for one of those really nice fiberglass ones with the gold lines running back and forth from my 57. Are you? I think, yeah. I still need one. I've got two out of three. Well, you know I have one sitting here in the barn in a box. A lens and a fixture? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, maybe you should bring that to camping this weekend. (laughs) You bring the Astrodome. I'll bring the... I'll ring the lens. Oh, there you go. No, it's the lens and the fixture. Because you know my 58's got them in there, too, but the one I have is a glass one. It's not the fiberglass like Colin's talking about. It's recessed into the recessed into the ceiling, Tim, and whereas yours and mine on the 60, they're, they're outside of the ceiling. Right, right. Well, back in episode 15, it was bringing it home. We talked about all the stuff that you should uh, do to be ready to pick up a vintage trailer, and perhaps I should listen to it again <laughs> before I took I, off. I suggested that to yeah, you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when I got there, the uh, the trailer had been sitting for quite a while, and I think when we checked the air pressure and the tires, I had about 10 pounds in each one. And, of course, they were dry ride through and through, and I, I did bring uh, five new tires, so I was ready for that. It was your probably typical eBay trailer, you know, the pictures look better than a dozen person. When I looked inside, there were no fresh water tank, uh, lots of... Odd electrical switches and plugs drilled in the cabinets and added wires and things hanging around. And well, we tried to uh, 
hook it up to the tow vehicle. The the hitch jack was missing. It was sitting on a the A-frame was sitting on a cylinder block. They're holding it up, which wasn't really pictured in the uh, eBay auction very clearly. So we had to jack it up uh, like a little car jack to get it uh, up and then back underneath it. But then we couldn't lower the car jack low enough. So uh, the bright idea was to kick the jack out from underneath the trailer A-frame and let the let the trailer fall onto the ball on my uh, truck. So that was fun, Make, yes. making me think, what did I what did I drive 2,500 miles for? <laughs> and what did Colin Rob get me into? Yeah, it's all our fault. That's right. Colin, you know, I will Colin blame I, you for every bad Colin thing. and I turned our cell phones off. Mm-hmm. See, so then when I yep. we the next step was hooking up the uh, seven-way plug, which when I plugged it in, nothing worked. So proceeded to uh, investigate and check that out, and it just took a little bit of cleaning, get some uh, emery boards out and some uh, contact cleaner. Corrosion. Yep, get that all cleaned up. And I think we actually had to pull the taillights off the, the Bargman lenses and uh, reseat the lamps back there. But after we got all that done, all the lights, the running lights, the brakes, uh, everything worked good. The blinkers, everything. The big thing, you know, after all this and listening, going back and listening to our eBay trailering show, yep. just for our listeners, is probably the number one thing, and I, always, I never even think about it or gave it a thought, was when you go and you do... Are successful winning a bid off eBay? Show up with cash in hand. Yes, cash, not a cashier's check. <laughs> that <was laughs> leaves a you a little maneuver room. Yes, yep, yep. With cashier's check, I was basically stuck. So that's definitely you know, even. That's right. Even the cashier's check, even though you know you you were the high bidder at this this amount. When you get there, if things aren't as seen or as presented on the eBay ad, you know you have a little a little wiggle room. room there to yeah yeah yep. to say. I've done albeit you drove when you drive 2,500 miles and you're kind of well he knows you're going to probably take it yeah that's true that's true too I've done similar things and I've actually taken a cashier's check for half or three quarters and then the rest in cash and so there was some yeah, that's uh, so a good you're idea. a little bit safer yeah and you're you've still got some wiggle wiggle room there yeah that, that's a good idea yeah yeah let's see some other steps to yeah. prepare for bringing it let's see the uh, the astrodome was missing. So I had to get up on the roof with the trusty aluminum tape and plastic. And uh, what I did was I taped I taped around the Astrodome uh, opening with duct tape back and forth, covering the whole opening with plastic and duct tape. And then I taped that whole assembly down onto the trailer with the aluminum tape. And I went back mm-hmm. on the uh, the other vent covers. The middle one was original. The rear one was plastic. And I just taped those down just because I was up there, <laughs> which probably was a good thing. They and made it okay. Yeah, they all made it home. the uh, The rear one's trying to open itself up, so I taped the handles down halfway home. But the uh, the, the main one I was worried about was the Astrodome opening, and it, it stayed. It's still up there with the plastic. It stayed up there just fine because we did get sprinkles on the way home, so no big rainstorm, which was lucky. Now, but, were the uh, Lido lifters there, Tim? Yeah, all the handles are there. Good, good. Yeah. So on all three of them? Yeah, yeah as far as I can tell. Because that's the, those little things they add up. Oh, very yeah. quickly on eBay or wherever trying to source them. The only bad part is I timed it being there on a on a Sunday where everything in this small town was closed up. They rolled the streets up at night and put them away. In fact, the uh, the closest gas station that might have had an air pump was probably 20, 20 miles away or something. Well, I, I knew I wanted to go to the uh, Airstream factory, which was about an hour away, so we just headed out with the original tires after we put about 30 pounds of air in each one with a, a portable 
cigarette lighter operated compressor, the kind that you can run five minutes and you gotta let it cool off for ten. <laughs> so that yeah, that, well, that was better than nothing. Chinese stuff, you know. Yep, that's all we had. So uh, that was another thing, a good good thing to bring an air compressor. Yes, very useful. Speaking of eBay, eBay purchases, Tim. Uh, you know, Doug, a friend of ours, Colin and I's. You know, he purchased that 1960 Ambassador, and he's from Canada. He he picked it up about two hours from me, towed it all the way here on the tires, and towed it. Yeah, I just got a call about about an hour or so ago, and he made it all the way back to an hour past Toronto, probably five hour pull from from me on the original tires. <laughs> yeah. but well, I was his, going his, uh, his sixty. Yeah, his sixty. It's an international model ambassador. Also, uh-huh. they had the steel springs on both axles in case you have a blowout, which was kind of cool. Huh? Yes. Yeah, the tire savers, I guess you call them, right, Colin? Yeah, I can't remember what those were. Something like that, or but he wasn't going twenty five hundred miles though, Tim. Right. So we drove about forty miles an hour for about an hour on a two lane road with big diesels upset with me and flooring it around me as best they could until we came up to the main freeway and we found, this is on a Sunday night by the way, like I said, so we found a uh, a 24 hour truck and tire shop and uh, so I pulled in there and I said uh, hey you guys will mount these tires for me and they said, uh, do you got them? And I said, yeah. And I said, well we'll do whatever you want for sixty eight fifty an hour. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> well, I said, you're hired so for the next couple hours, they uh, mounted five tires, packed the bearings, and they hand-packed them. And uh, so everything everything felt much better after that, putting new shoes on the trailer. And from there, we headed down to Airstream. So it worked out good. Did you have brakes? Yeah, we did. We had brakes from when we left because we got, after we got the plug working, the brakes came up good. The only problem was when they uh, packed the bearings on one of the wheels. He called it the return spring. Uh, was broken. It was laying in the hub. And uh, he felt we could continue on without that one, which we did anyway. We had to because he didn't have any. Uh, but that was the only one I was missing, and the rest of them worked. They're the original brakes that came with the trailer, I'm sure. Doug uh, pulling over to Canada border through customs came up, and there was a huge screeching noise coming from the rear of the trailer. He had a spring busted too, Tim. Oh, okay. When I was at the... Must be, uh, a, six, must be a 60s thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, when I was at the factory, they had the uh, the Airstream store in there. And they had a uh, parts breakdown of uh, the brake mechanism with the springs hanging on the wall. For 79 cents, I have a new spring. I haven't put it in yet, but I thought, well, I'll buy it for now. <laughs> Can't beat that for uh, 79 cents. Yes, but you can also just go buy brand new Dexter backing plates, pre-packed, and bolt them right on. It'll be modern standard, and it'll be simple and easy, and yep. actually quite cheap, and all your cares will be gone. Right, which I'm sure that will be... One of the uh, next steps I'd take on that. That was probably one of so, the best so how, things I did to my trailer. How was the factory tour, Tim? Well, the factory tour was quite nice, actually. We uh, we stayed that night in the uh, the Terraport, which is Airstream's customer campground. And we got up early and went on, and they have a little sign-up area, and uh, we signed up for it. We're the only two who signed up, you know, probably about 9 a.m. We thought, well, you know, I wonder how many people are actually going to show up, and... They had a good group. They must have had uh, probably 25 people on the tour, and this was on a did Monday. You, did you bring your Sharpie for autographs? <laughs> no. I did wear my VAP t-shirt, but uh, didn't get any, any comments from anybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I got to uh, take my picture next to Wally's Gold Airstream. 
and uh, the 36 uh, trailer that they have out front. It's kind of funny. They just have all their old uh, trailers parked out front, lined up one after the other, no hitch locks or nothing. They're just uh, they're just sitting there. They don't let you go in those on the tour. They just go out and show them to you because they said the problem was they they would forget, leave them unlocked, and uh, then they would get the doors wouldn't get shut right, and they get rained on and all that kind of stuff. So that was their reasoning for not letting us in in the uh, Even wearing trailers. your VAP T-shirt, they no. wouldn't let you in. No, I did get I did get the service manager. He opened up the uh, the thirty six and let me poke my head in there. That was kind of neat. So on the uh, rest of the tour, we got to go in and uh, see the production lines, and it's kind of funny because some of the uh, the TV shows that we see when they're doing the uh, tour on uh, the factory, like the one with um, what's that one with John Ratzenberger. Mm-hmm. Made, in America. Made in America. Yeah, some of the some of the people that he talked to, they're they're in there working, you know, every day, and they're working. So they show you stacks of plywood, and they say, you know, this is the furniture when it comes here, you know, so because they make all that stuff. Um, it's interesting though, is any of the curved sections on furniture, none of that they make. They outsource all the like if if there's a curved piece on the end of a couch or the end of a of a, a bed support. They don't make any of those. Anyway, they had the the big uh, jig set up and all the rivet guys going, and we got to go inside some of the traders that were right there on the line. They just go inside uh, inside of them and uh, look around. There was a, a David Winnick trailer parked outside. It was mostly complete and just a couple of little things not done. They let us go in there. And across the way was a, a base camp. We couldn't go into it, but they told us there was about a, they had produced about 146 of them at that time and for some reason they're not going on sale they felt those quality issues or something well they didn't they didn't mention that and I didn't know enough to ask about it i guess so, it's been coming up on some of the forum groups etc yeah yeah i heard about that after the fact yeah kind of curious what the what the details are there but you know bringing a new product online is not always the easiest thing to oh, do oh yeah yeah you know regardless of how much experience you have doing it you know, there's new bits and pieces that have to integrate well with other things. Well, our tour guide, Don, he was uh, very knowledgeable. He had worked there, uh, I forget now, a good number of years. He was back there in 58 when Wally was there and uh, knew him well. So I gave him our our uh, website and, uh, you know, told him, hey, we'd like to have you on an interview. He was, he was very knowledgeable about the way things were built because back in Wally's time, well, back you know, now on the tour, Everything's done in stages. You know, you have a one guy runs the wire. The next guy mounts the kitchen cabinet. You know, the next guy mounts the sink, and it's all a, a production line. Well, back in Wally's day, what the uh, tour guy was telling us, two guys would enter a trailer, and when they came out, it was done. They did everything from putting the flooring in to mounting uh, all the cabinets and woodwork and stuff. So I thought that was interesting. That would... Uh, Definitely make them want to keep a, a good eye on quality throughout the uh, production of the trailer that they they would literally uh, build themselves complete. Yeah, and I, I imagine they'd have rivalry going between these two man teams. You know, mm-hmm. could do the yep. fanciest this or the quickest that. You know. So hopefully Don listens to the show. I you know it's it's kind of intimidating when you say, "Hey, I'm a, I host a radio show and I want to get you on." Uh, especially if you never heard of it. So hopefully he'll go to the website, check it out, and uh, get in contact with us through our email. Or, we can get Could him on be the a show. very interesting guest. Yep, yep. There was another. I had wished I had printed up some uh, cards or something because during the tour they pointed out a few long-time uh, employees, and one of them had been there 50 years. 
working, still working there. Good stuff. Wonder how many rivets he's bucked. <laughs> yep. So yeah, if you're ever in the area, it's a free tour. It's Monday through Friday at uh, two o'clock. It's free, of course, and they have a nice, uh, nice little store there, a nice waiting room, and it's a fun visit. If you're ever in the area, Jackson Center, Ohio, you need to check it out. Was there a cost to stay at the Terraport? Not if you're having service done. If you uh, having service done, then no. But if you are just stopping by or going through the area, it's ten dollars for the night. It was full hookups, everything but cable TV. Um, how many sites do they have? They had three. If I remember right, they had three circles, and I'm just guessing each circle held about maybe six, six spots or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it was, it was quite nice. I mean, we, we just pulled in there. We pulled in just as it was getting dark, and first time backing up the trailer into a campsite, my longer trailer, 28 feet, and I went right in up to the electric. With a, we had It was getting dark at that time, so we had to pull out the flashlight to hook up, and then we were good to go for the night. Now, were you the oldest trailer there? I think so, yeah. I think we were. Doesn't that feel good? Well, I don't know. My toy didn't work. I had to use the gas station <laughs> up at the corner, and everybody else had their lights on and were watching TV and stuff, I'm sure. And I was sitting, uh, well, I had one tent light, so I guess I was doing okay. What's the electrical connection on your ambassador? The original. The Bargman? Yeah, it's the original Bargman, the little round 30-amp one. So you have a little adapter that lets you go into extension cord? No, it's hooked up to a really long, probably... 30-foot extension cord that has a 110 connector on the other end already. Okay, okay. So that's what came with it. Anyway, so we stayed there that day, and uh, then we started our trek on home, and it took us, uh, what, three and a half days to get back from Ohio back to California. And uh, the trailer pulled great. We, we didn't have any problem with the trailer. Towing, uh, towing back, we towed up to... Uh, Oh, 70 miles an hour, a little more sometimes. When we're passing people. And did it, you get uh, any thumbs up? Did just fine. Mm, no. No, not that I remember. <laughs> Nobody so, was impressed with your fine. I don't think so. Not with aluminum tapes on the windows and rope tied to the door. <laughs> uh, come on. Rob was yeah, towing Vintage yeah. Lightning up uh, I-87. And uh, Dicky Regal gave him a thumbs up. I got a, I got a, I got a big thumbs up. Well, yeah, he would, he would. <laughs> so, how, how how did it tow compared to your '71 Safari? Well, I think it towed uh, much much bigger, much bigger trailer. You know, did you notice the? Didn't notice the much slider? in the weight. No, didn't notice much in the weight. We went over the Rockies and all that stuff, and uh, to the Nevada mountains and stuff and you know no problem no problem at all i think backing it up seemed easier really since it was longer it didn't uh, respond to my turns as quickly and didn't you feel better being a tandem axle too oh yeah yeah that's what i had my old one my old one was tandem axle as well oh excuse me as far yeah it's that 70 safari we worked on it was a single axle yeah yeah i mean it towed fine i think the uh lace spring axles were probably better than my tired torsion axles on my 71 so didn't have too much stuff jumping around in there either so that was kind of mm-hmm. nice Very that's nice. good yeah so i guess in future shows we'll talk about uh some of the stuff i find as i try to get this thing in operable operatable condition i pulled out the uh the dinette seating that was uh, built in there 
because it wasn't up to because uh, <laughs> it wasn't up to what I would like. So I pulled all that out and I began with my ice pick checking for for uh, dry rot around the the front and. I found one little section about one inch by three inch that's a little soft, but everything by the door and everything behind the refrigerator, access panel, and up front, it's all nice and solid. And uh, let's see, the refrigerator was an old electric refrigerator that was plugged in, so that's going to go. And the water, hot water heater, or the water heater is a, it looks like a small electric only household type model when I looked at it. You know, the Somebody's gas. fudged that in because if it's an international, yeah. it should have had a gas one. Yeah, the gas line's capped, those, and there's an electric. Those are perfect for boondocking, Tim. Yeah, an electric only water heater. <laughs> yeah, the giant generator. Right. <laughs> so that's gonna go. You know, we'll put a we'll put an Atwood or something in there. But I yeah. believe there was one of those in my Sovereign of the Road too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting there. We're just, just you know, literally getting started. So we'll have updates on future shows. Well, you've already good. had a major update now that it has that 2 and 5 sixteenth ball in the front. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, like I said, when we picked up the trailer and we had to jack it up and kick the jack underneath it and let it fall on the, uh, the truck, that didn't sit well with me. So while we were at the factory, I had them update the uh, the coupler so we could go to put a, a modern uh, modern jack on there and just and, and new chains too because the chains that were on it were basically rusted through and they were both about eight inches long they didn't reach anything we put an updated uh, chains and uh, an updated jack and coupler and that is what made our tow along with the tires and bearings that made our our tow home effortless and uh, worry free one of the things I, I can't remember if we mentioned it on the earlier show but when uh, Rob and I go for the uh, pick up these uh, questionable trailers Usually, a good length of chain is a good idea, regardless of what you know the owners say might be there. Bringing your own safety chain and adding that on is a, is a really good idea. Yep, yep. Didn't want to go far without it. All right, unless you guys have any more questions for me about the ambassador, I think we'll call the show. Rob, you gonna dig him a little bit more? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we gotta let him off the hook since he stayed vintage. That's right. Yeah. Be nice. Yeah, he, he, you know, you've done well, Tim. Okay. Well. All right. You saw the light. Well, we'll see how this thing comes together. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a big job, but what, what what do you think your little your little globes, Tim? <laughs> oh, on the outside? The international yeah. yeah, those are pretty slick. I have three. Is that unusual? There's one on each side and one in the back? No, that's how it's supposed that's to how it's be. Supposed that's how it's supposed to be. Okay. Mine is. okay. Everybody's got an ambass uh, an international now except Rob. What's the story there, Rob? Oh. I know. There was one in my yard all weekend. I had to drill up, but I just couldn't snag them. <laughs> what, why don't we tell people what the international model gives you compared to a standard one? What makes ours better than Rob's? Well, it's got these really cool emblems on the side that look like a globe. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, okay. I, that I want. That's right. Um, it also signified that uh, basically it was uh, the design concept was for international travel. In other words, you didn't always have to be plugged into the AC power. Back in, I guess it was 57 when the international model first came out, uh, I think it was offered on virtually all of the trailers made in that year. Maybe not the real small ones, I can't remember, but certainly on the larger ones. And basically it was propane hot water heater, a propane only refrigerator. A, uh, they all had a pressurized water system at the time 
but it offered you a, a compressor, a built-in compressor, whereas the original ones you'd actually have to pump it up with a bicycle pump. Um, there was a Ogden water filter, it was a charcoal type water filter that uh, to filter your water when you're in these far off lands to make it drinkable. Um, what else came with it? The, uh, the battery box. The battery box battery. in the front, that's correct. And, and uh, the, the dual's 12 volt and 110 lights. Right, all of the fixtures could run on dual voltage. So they literally had a 12 volt bulb and a 110 bulb in each fixture and a different switch for it. So that's really and nice. The, uh, the International was here all weekend. He had actually dual switches on all the fans too. Yep, and we had that too. In fact, it was really kind of interesting. On one of the fans, I believe it's the fan in the bathroom, uh, the fan motor, it had a transformer to step the AC voltage down from 120 down to 18 volts AC. So the motor would run on 18 volts AC or 12 volts DC. And I've never seen a, a fan motor that would run on either types of power. Which I thought was really this, this kind one of had the, This one had the same thing in the bathroom area, too, Talon. Yeah. It and had a switch for city yeah. or battery power. Yeah, both of my fans have that. And you can yeah. see the transformer. It's mounted up in the uh, next to the fan. Yeah, big heavy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what other features did it have? Uh, I just put my plug in it. Somebody out there with the Junker International. The, the emblems I want them for are my Sovereign of the Road. We're basically Collins making it. We're making that into an international model. Yes, but you remember, know what? You'll, you can it, have it came, every with, it came with no 12 volt, if you remember. That's right. But you can put every option possible, including the emblems. But the serial number on an international also started with a big I. That's I, right. I know. <laughs> Mine has the I. Never do that. <laughs> it's funny as you mentioned that because the uh, the title showed a one. I took it down there to get it uh, uh, in my name, so I, I took the uh, the DMV uh, employee and I says, "Can you look at that? Because I believe that's an I." They said, "Yep, it is." I says, "Can you fix it?" And they said, "We will." So mine will be restored to an I again. Well, if it makes you feel any better, mine still says one on my registration. That so. makes me feel wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I thought you would. <laughs> and with that, we'll end the show. There you go. Yeah, thanks to Rob and Colin again for showing up, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time for episode 23. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Thanks to you guys. Hope you enjoyed episode 22. Thanks for tuning in. I'd like to thank Kelly and James for calling in the Vet Voicemail line. If you've got a question or a comment for the show, call it in. We look forward to hearing from you. In episode 23, Rob and I take the wheel as Colin is at the International. We answer questions about floor repair and seam sealing. We also introduce a new segment for the show, the Ambassador Update. And finally, we use the VAP hotline to check in with Colin, who's strolling around the International Rally in Oregon. You don't want to miss episode 23. So until next time... We hope to see you down the road. Take care, everyone. If you want to get in contact with us here at the VAP Podcast, you can call the voicemail hotline at 206-202-4VAP. And the email address is questions at thevap.com. 